Have you seen God today? Maybe in your family. Maybe your son or your daughter. Maybe your spouse. I mean, perhaps you saw God in a flower or a dragonfly or the sunrise. I don't know where you saw God, but each and every one of us have had the opportunity to see God today. You know, Romans says, for ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky through everything God made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature. Friends, we are surrounded by God-given snapshots. And I believe that oftentimes we we miss those. And I I think one of the reasons, it's really a focus issue. What are you looking for? What are you focusing on? And today, I want to talk to someone that specializes in snapshots. I met Dan Thornton several years ago when we were still at Lewis and Clark in the early days of of the church and uh, got to know Dan and Joy and their kids, Katie and Josh. Um, They were attending church. And one day after service, Dan caught me and he said, Damon, would you mind reading my thesis? And uh, he said he wanted me to make some suggestions of possible scriptural connections and things. And uh, I thought about it, and I said, sure, I'd be glad to read it. Now, you've got to know, I've been in ministry a long time, and I've been handed a lot of stuff through the years. And I I was thinking about how I could kindly say this. When when someone gives me something, I've kind of lowered the bar, you know, a lot. And that that was kind of my mentality going in. And then I read Dan's thesis. And when I got done, I just thought, yay, God. Because you absolutely could not miss Dan's God-given passion as he poured himself out in the pages of his, his thesis and, more importantly, in his photographs. And what I have come to know through the years, that when Dan looks through the lens of a camera, he sees God. He sees God-given opportunities, God-given moments. And that's what I want to discuss with him today is uh, what he sees when he takes those snapshots. You know, over the years I have gotten to know Dan and I consider him a, a close friend. Dan is a master photographer. He has received the highest possible awards you can get in in the field of photography. But here's what impressed me most, is when Dan is looking through the lens, when he's taking pictures, he's the master's photographer. In other words, he allows God to use him. So please make Dan welcome and um, it's taken us a while. Testing. (laughs) A little scared. That's all right. Just take take it in. I know they're they're pretty tough audience to look at, but 
you try and find a couple people. Uh, maybe your wife would be one, and you just kind of focus there. So, you know, do you? All those years ago, uh, I talked to you about possibly doing what we're going to do today, and um, it's taken us a while, hasn't it? Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I, it's something that we mentioned before and just never came around, but here we are. Here we are. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, let's start out easy. What was it, or how did you first get involved in photography? Um, well, let me make a quick disclaimer. Okay. Because um, you were already bragging on me. Uh, I am... Uh, I just want to first say that um, any anything that I might have done or awards received or whatever, not really me, uh, because I'm I'm not that educated, I'm not that smart, I'm not that talented. I just want I want God to have the glory uh, for whatever He has done. He's He has blessed me and my family tremendously. But I wanted to say that. Um, and um, I haven't got this all figured out. I wanted to say that. Um, my kids would point that out real quickly. <laughs> yeah, they have a few times when yep. I've been around them. So. <laughs> and, uh, and, I, and I want to apologize to my kids, too, because <clears throat> they make fun of me because I do tend to, to become a little bit emotional sometimes. And, uh, and what we're talking about is, is some stuff that uh, really strikes me in an emotional way. So... So there, I got that out of the way. All right. So now if I embarrass them, I've, I've warned them. They could leave the room if they want. But, um, if you're in the back, watch for them, tackle them if they head out. So, yeah. Um, well, t- how did you get started? Yeah, uh, Pastor, I, I didn't start off wanting to be a photographer. Uh-huh. Uh, as a youth, I wanted to be a rock star. <laughs> and uh, me and four or five of my best buddies decided to, to start a band. And we were, we were, oh, we were so awesome. We, we knew uh, all of the Grand Funk songs, which was uh, really good because you only needed to know three chords to know those songs. That's a rock band for your uh, younger ones. It was in the 70s. So. <laughs> and uh, we only lacked one thing, and that was, that was talent. So we were, we were pretty bad. Um, and we knew that if we could just play louder, that we would be successful. But we couldn't afford any real amplifiers. So, uh, so that you know, you know, in, in a sense, it started off. But it was the wrong group of friends uh, to be with. Um, we got into a lot of trouble. We did a lot of stuff we we shouldn't have done. Um, some things I'm I'm very much ashamed of today. Um, which will go unmentioned, seeing as how my kids are in the room. But I guess it, it ended with me um, sitting in front of a judge, and I was given a second chance. And I was at um, a fork in the road where I had to choose. If I continued to go down this path, I knew where it was, I knew where it was going to go. It, it was going to lead to destruction. So I chose the other path. And uh, I knew I had to do something. I had to find some way to keep occupied, especially after I made that decision the first Saturday night because I knew they were going to ask me to go 
with them. And, you know, today they would call that partying or whatever. But um, I told them I needed to, instead of partying, I couldn't. I had plans to be with my older brother. My brother Alan's 10 years my senior. His hobby was photography. So I declined going with them that weekend. And um, my brother and I decided that, that, well, I told him I wanted to learn more about his his hobby, and so we we took photographs, and which is probably a good thing because that same weekend my my friends got in an awful lot of trouble, um, and one of them almost lost his life, and I would have been right there. So so photography then became uh, the thing that that saved me from that, and, and the thing that I threw myself into, and um, my my older brother. Um, and I gave us something to bond together with and just to do. So uh, that became a very much a driving force in my life to learn more about photography and to, to enjoy that hobby with him. Yeah, and you guys are really close even today. Uh, he, moved, he moved away several years mm-hmm. ago and lives in Colorado, but we still get together a couple times a year and, uh, and take pictures. How, how, did, how did you make the transition into photography as vocation? Well, uh, actually, I'm still trying to decide what to do when I grow up. But uh, uh, as it turns out, I, I really started loving photography. And, you know, it, it's, it's a hobby that's expensive. So you always want to buy a new lens or a new camera or whatever. So uh, I would find things to do with my camera. I uh, started taking pictures for the local newspaper, which they gave me a few dollars for, and uh, working in the yearbook and uh, just taking pictures around the school. And eventually someone actually um, hired me to photograph their wedding, which was really brave on their part. And she, I think she said something like, your pictures are usually in focus, I've noticed. <laughs> and, uh, you were still in high school at this yeah, time. Yeah, I was. And um, about that same time, um, I met a young lady in school. And she had a she came to school with a Nikon camera around her neck, and that was pretty cool. <laughs> I wanted to I wanted to sit next to her to get close to the Nikon. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. It's nice. It's an F2. It's <laughs> really nice. And uh, oh, there we are. Yeah. There you are. So, um, uh, Joy, my wife, uh, became my girlfriend. And uh, before we had completed our junior year in high school, we had photographed that first wedding together. And um, by the time we were seniors, we had a Yellow Page ad, and we're, we're actually doing a few weddings. So it, it, became my, um, it became my life's dream to be a professional photographer, to, to be able to somehow make a living doing something that other people would do for fun. So... Um, Joy went on to be uh, a dental assistant after graduating from high school, and um, and she is the reason why we were able to um, to do this because she supported us, uh, the two of us, while uh, with her job while we were getting Thornton Photography started, and um, she allowed me to live my life's dream. She's very much a part of Thornton Photography, which is our business, which um, is our present location on Godfrey Road. And um, 
And she takes photographs. A lot of people don't realize that. Some of the photographs that we're going to look at today were done by Joy, especially the ones with me. With you in it? Yeah. Mostly from the back. But, uh, Is that your best side? Is yeah. that what she's... Okay. All right. But... So, so anyway, we decided to make, that's when we decided, uh, we got married very young at 18, not recommending that, kids. Um, <laughs> Is that a disclaimer you yeah, just that did? Was it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, okay, you, you made a comment, you said most of your photographs were in, in focus, um, what, did, what did you do to kind of uh, strengthen yourself in, well, I, in this field? <laughs> I'm sure, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure they were, actually, the pictures weren't that good. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, um, you know, this was before the, the age of digital and being able to see it immediately, and it was, it was pretty hard to take a nice photograph. But um, I had did a few weddings and had a little portfolio, and one of the things I did was I, I found a photographer in the area that I admired and really respected their work and just wanted to attain that level of quality. And so I put my pictures under my arm and went to, went to see the gentleman. And he, he, he looked at my work, and, and he was very cordial and, and did it in a nice way, but basically he told me that my work sucked. <laughs> um, more importantly, um, he, made, he made the comment that um, I would never be a professional photographer. I, I didn't really have what it took. And, you know, that... He couldn't do it if it wasn't for his his family of support and what have you. And that was it was it was tough. That was that was a very uh, that was a moment that I could have become a vacuum cleaner salesman at that point or whatever. Uh, had it not been for Joy, you know, I I think I went home and basically just collapsed in her arms and in disappointment. And she you know she held me up. She encouraged me. She uh, she was the one that said, you know, you can do this. You just need to get educated. You know, we need to find ways that we can learn how to do this properly. And so she she very much probably was a, a big factor there where it could have went a different direction. But because of that, we um, started looking into how how can we learn what it's going to take to, to take better photographs. So we uh, found out that there was a local St. Louis chapter of a photographic organization, a guild. There was a a couple of state uh, associations that we could join. There was a National Professional Photographers of America that we could join. and So we did all that, and that's how we educated ourselves. And uh, what, one of the other things that really helped me uh, to, to become better was I noticed that the photographers that were really good and the photographers that were lecturing and that I was going to, to hear, they were all master photographers. And that is a degree, a professional degree that's earned through the Professional Photographers of America. So I set that as a goal, and um, that became a, a pursuit. And you, and you obtained that uh, pretty early on. I did. I, I, in about 1983, I entered my first um, competition where I could start accumulating points towards that. And um, I, I received um, my degree um, in 1989. And what what I know uh, is that you, that passion to to learn and to grow and to develop your your skill set didn't stop there. In fact, uh, 
you, you would later go on and part of us meeting uh, and getting to know each other was your thesis that uh, had you on the track yep. to become a part of the fellowship. And, and I'm going to say this because this guy, I've been in his studio. Uh, I've, I've spent time there. With, the church has actually used his studio a few times. And he has a uh, lower level in his studio that's kind of the non-public area. And you go down there, and that's where all the awards are. And I kind of questioned him about it because most people, they'd have that. That's what you would see coming in, like, you know, parade through all the, all the awards, and, and then uh, we'll sit and talk with you. But that's not Dan's style. And this pursuit of fellowship, I want us all to understand this because the professional photographers of America, it's an international group. There's about 20,000 people. Out of that, there is a segment that get their masters that become part of the American Society of Photographers. And that's a very small group. That's a much smaller group than the 20,000. The fellowship that we're talking about, there are 80 living people in the world that have obtained that. So I want you to get your mind around that because... As we're talking, I want you to, to understand what we're shooting for, what he was going after. And I want you to tell me about when you first started pursuing uh, the going after the, the fellowship, because this is kind of a long and winding road uh, when you get right down to it. Yeah, I'm not sure what year it was. Um, and my, my first attempt was, uh, my first two attempts were pretty lame. Um, they, they more or less said, if you'd send us 25 of your life's best pieces and if you would complete a thesis, a paper, um, that described what makes your photography special or your accomplishments in photography. Uh, and that's before I approached you. Mm-hmm. Um, so my original, my original uh, picture, pictures were somewhat of just a random selection of things that I thought were my life's best work. And, and my paper, more importantly, was... Uh, called the uh, uh, Photography as an Art and Science, which talked about composition, design, um, rhythmic patterns, uh, talked about numeric progression, and um, all the art stuff um, that I thought they wanted to hear. And uh, it was, it uh, it failed miserably, um, twice. So... The first time that they Did got... Did they tell you yeah. you couldn't be a photographer no, also? No, they didn't okay. do that, right. but right. they said, you're, right. you're not in the club. <laughs> uh, so my, the first time they were kind of nice, they said, oh, you did pretty good, just a few changes here and there and everything will be great. I think they do that just so you'll do it again. The second time they really let me have it. So um, it, was, it was difficult. It was hard because uh, you put so much into the photographs. Obviously, you take the photographs, but then you you spend weeks and literally probably six weeks. Every time that this was attempted, there was maybe six weeks of labor and a great deal of expense. And uh, I I still can't believe that Joy would let me do this to take that much time away. But uh, second time also... um, it wasn't, it wasn't accepted also. So I'm starting to get used to the rejection now after two times. It's tough. So 
you didn't stop there, though. Uh, you, don't, you don't hear no very easy. Um, what, what took place? Because I know you've got a third attempt. Well, I, I talked to a, another fellow, and I let him look at my submission. And um, he said, well, you, you know, your pictures are just very random. You need to focus on a theme. And he said, and your paper is, is too, too much uh, technical. And, you know, these are all people that are, already have their fellowship that are judging this. They don't need, want or need to be told, you know, how to take a good photograph. So just talk about you. So that's when the, the paper changed um, to um, the title of the new paper was The Perfect Moment. And uh, the photographs changed also. And the perfect moment was my new thesis, which was about me and about about four things that emotionally moved me or impacted my life. And um, they were my, the dedication of my wife, which I've already talked about. Um, I, you know, I, I still, it's hard for me to believe that God, you know, at a very young age, led me to this person would become my, not only my my partner in business and, and in life, but, you know, she's my best friend and my lover. It was a big one. It was one of the big ones. And uh, the second point in the thesis was the birth of my children. Uh, when when Josh was born and I, I carried him down the hall to show the grandparents, that was the very first time I ever... Uh, Cried for joy, you know, literally made me cry just, you know, because I was so happy. And uh, seeing my daughter, the first time she looked at me and smiled, you know, same feelings. So that was the second thing I wrote about. Uh, The third thing I wrote about in the paper was uh, the death of my father, um, which is another long story. But my, I was raised in a Christian home, and uh, dad, dad loved me, but. he was very much a man's man, and uh, um, he found it hard to express that love. Uh, I don't ever remember Dad telling me that he loved me uh, until later in life. So that was a that was a, a problem. But uh, Joy's father had passed away; he had had a stroke, and um, you know the fact that the very last thing that she said to her dad before he passed was that she loved him. Uh, that and a few years later, when Josh was being born, I wrote my dad a letter, and I just I thanked him for raising me the way he did. And before the letter was over, I told him I loved him. Somebody had to say it, mm-hmm. so I put it in writing. And uh, just a few years later, uh, Dad was taken with cancer. So that was, that was really hard. It was very traumatic. But after I wrote that letter, uh, we never parted without embracing uh, and telling each other that we loved each other. So it was a really important thing. And the really cool thing is when, after Dad was dead, uh, I was the executor of his estate, and we opened up his safe, and there with all of his most you know, valuable possessions was that letter, which I still have today. So that was uh, the third thing that 
impacted me. And then the fourth thing was uh, just an event that happened while hiking in the Colorado mountains um, that was um, just an experience that changed the trajectory of my life. And uh, it was a photographic experience. It was a religious experience. It was... It was incredible. So I, I rewrote this thesis with those uh, four points, submitted new photographs, um, only to be rejected a third time. <laughs> I'm seeing a theme. <laughs> <laughs> the third rejection, though, was a major turning point for you. And I want you to tell us a little bit about kind of what's going on in your life uh, about the time okay. that you were rejected? <clears throat> well, um, I, I just lost mom. Um, mom died of Alzheimer's. Uh, no, wait a minute. Let me strike that. Go backwards. Um, I'd sent off the third submission, which I just described. And, you know, when this is all you do for six weeks before you do this every year. Uh, it, it is all-consuming, and it's, it's all you think about. And when you send those photographs off, there's nonstop thinking about, is this the day they're going to be judged because it's a secret judging and, you know, what's going to happen and am I going to get another rejection letter? And it was, it was all that my mind was occupied by. Um, and then all of a sudden I got a call from the care home saying mom, uh, who had been suffering from Alzheimer's, had had a stroke and they were calling the family in. And within 30 minutes of that phone call about mom, I got the email uh, third rejection uh, notice. And I just remember going, oh, you know, oh well. And then I, I took, I went to be with mom. And it was probably um, two weeks before I, I ever really pondered the fact that I struck out a third time. It, it, it just... What, what happened was the death of my mother, um, losing her, allowed me to, to really get an idea of how this degree thing really wasn't that important when it was compared to the loss of somebody you love. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it took on a completely different feeling to me. It, it wasn't the driving force that it was. It was something I wanted, but I knew that it, it wasn't something worth losing family over or, or even losing business over. Um, it wasn't the same. Your priorities shifted. Had a shift in priority. So after the third uh, strike, um, I, I remember my son Josh, who's in the back of the room today, uh, saying, Dad, why don't, you, why don't you quit? I mean, they... they they think your work is terrible. <laughs> I, he might have said something different than that. It might have been a little bit different. But I, You've got a lot of blunt people in your yeah, life, I've decided. Yeah. You know, and, um, and I had other people <laughs> tell me that I just wasn't good enough. Um, and, and I probably wasn't. Um, but... Uh, Joy 
was still there. It's been an incredible encouragement to you. She encouraged me to do it one last time. And I had uh, another person that had read the thesis said, you should do it one more time for your dad. Do it. So another year went by, and I did it one last time. But it was really different. When, when I mailed that submission off, I just let it go. It was just gone. It wasn't something I pondered. It was just something I released. And the attitude was more, you know, whatever happens, I, I think I really did give it my best try this time. I really did. And I would be okay with it. I knew I'd be okay because I knew that there was more important things then. Can you describe the perfect moment, not your thesis, but the actual moment that this all kind of uh, comes together around? Yeah, I'll try. Um, and, and, you know, why this emotionally moves me, I have a trouble even describing it. Uh, but I just, uh, in the paper, I describe how I just lost my dad to cancer and uh, about the, the fact, uh, the I love you thing yeah, that was in the paper. And um, maybe a year or so later, my brother, living in Colorado at the time then, said, hey, why don't you come out and uh, let's, let's go hiking and let's photograph some elk and the aspen and let's do it. But he wanted to do it in the third week of September, which is like my busiest time in our office. I mean, it, it's financially a terrible time for me to leave because um, that business will go somewhere else. It's a, there's a limited window of opportunity. But um, Joy, again, said, why don't you do it? It's something maybe you need to do because she knew I'd, I'd really been having a hard time losing my father and some other issues. And um, So we did. We, I, I just did it. And uh, the, the third week in September is, it's like, uh, it's chosen because the aspen uh, trees are in full color. They're brilliant yellow. And not only that, but the uh, in, in Colorado, the elk that are up in the mountains, they wander down into the valleys and they get together um, uh, mating season. Um, I, I don't mean they get together. That's not why you photograph them. But... Uh, <laughs> That's, although that might make an interesting photograph, it's a... Uh... You heard this at the Baptist church, by the way. Yeah, it's... So uh, we, f- we photograph the Rocky Mountains and Elk for three days. And uh, we were at Estes Park. And I just wanted to uh, get some nice photographs. So my brother said, well, it's our third day. Let's hike up to the top of the summit of this mountain, which is, I'm not sure what the name of the mountain is, but it's a series of three lakes that you hike to. You start in the morning down at the base of the mountain. It's warm. You know, we're T-shirts, shorts, uh, and all, all of our camera gear and backpacks. Uh, and then you head up the mountain. And by the time you get to the top of the mountain, uh, oh, did I mention it had snowed? Which is, you know, if it, can you picture this? The, uh, the yellow aspen against the deep blue sky, because we don't get blue skies here like they do there at high altitude. It's just a brilliant blue with the Rocky Mountains in the background and snow kind of on the leaves. And so as you hike up, higher altitude, it gets colder and thinner. The air gets thinner. So we start our ascent, and we by the time we got to the top, I mean, just... 
exhaustion. That's pretty much all you can do to hike up to the top. You've got to turn around and get back before it gets dark. So it's an all-day thing. And, uh, I was 50 pounds heavier than I am today. I had uh, 25 or 30 pounds of camera gear, plus food, plus two sets of clothing and some rain gear. And just, I mean, it was a marked trail. I'm not a mountain climber. I don't want you to think it was like rocks, but, you know. But uh, for a flatlander like me used to breathing at this altitude, it was, it was difficult. And by the time I got to the top, uh, you would have probably laughed if you would have saw my exhausted condition. It was like, you know, take 10 steps, drink some water kind of thing, just de- dehydration. And, but we got to the very top of the summit, and my brother had went... Uh, my brother Alan had went his way, and I went my way, so we would get different photographs at the summit. And, and I noticed there was a, a large rock, of rounded, smooth, bigger than a truck, um, but I could shimmy up it. So with the last bit of energy I had left, I worked my way to the top of this boulder, and basically I think I just collapsed on it for a while. And once I, I had uh, caught my breath, I, I just gazed, you know, at what was there, the view that was from that, from that position. Um, this was a, a peak, a, a, actually a glacial lake that had been carved away by a glacier that had moved through thousands of years before, surrounded on three sides by granite peaks, um, and it. Above 10,000 feet, there is, there is no aspen. They're, the only trees that can survive are uh, cedar, which decorated the landscape. And it was, it was perfect. It was a beautiful scene. And the next thing I did was I, I just, you know, it's cold, but I raised my, my head and could feel the sun hitting my face my shoulders, the cold air. You could see for hundreds of miles. Probably see to Kansas. I don't know. You could see a long ways. Could you see Russia from there? No. <laughs> okay. All right. But uh, I, I just... So many things were going through my head at the time. I, I wondered what the first man that had got there and seen that scene must have thought or a woman could have been a woman and I knew that it hadn't changed it hadn't changed since that first man had seen it and I just for the first time was just in awe over the beauty that God had put in front of me this gift And then what started going through my head was how God had blessed my, me and my family. You see, I had, I had put God on a shelf for about 20 years. For 20 years, I had just focused on my business and me. But he... He hadn't given up on me. I just thought about how God had given me good health, 
loving wife, a couple of good kids. And a successful business that had took care of our family for almost 30 years. And then it was really weird because I started, I just had this thought that maybe my whole life, my whole process of becoming a photographer and and learning to be the best that I could be, maybe that was God's way of preparing me for something else. Maybe life was a preparation for whatever is was to come. I'm not sure what that is. But the thought came to my mind that photography itself could be a form of worship. Now, I know that, you know, as business people or as any any occupation anyone has, that that can be a, a form of worship and should be a form of worship because that's, that is, that's really what we're put here to do is to worship and whatever you choose as your occupation is just, it's like a library card. It's, it's something we get to check out a book that doesn't really belong to us. So our occupation is like that. It's just what we're really here to do is to worship God, and I knew that. But I never thought of the actual visual art of photography as being something that could be lifted up as, as praise and worship. Till that moment, I'm, I'm, most people probably would have. I'm a little dense, but it came to me. This sounds a little bit like a, a conversion, um, but it really was a, a change in trajectory for for your life. Um, am, am I right? Yeah, I I received Lord uh, the Lord whenever I was uh, in junior high. I mean, okay. He became my Savior. I put my trust in Him. Um, I asked God in my heart, Jesus in my heart, and uh, knew that I was a sinner. And because of all my sins, I deserved to go to hell. But because of what Christ did for me, I, I received the benefit of, of what he did on the cross. And that my faith is in him, you know, that... So that was decided when I was in junior high. But as you know, I, after that I did things. I, I mean, I fell away and I, I basically spent 20, 20 years or more than 20 years um, outside of his will. But he was so patient on me. So, I mean, God's hand, when, as I've followed your life story, it's, it's been there from the very, very beginning. Um, yeah, um, so that experience, the perfect moment that I described, was not a conversion experience, but it was an experience that that and a couple other things uh, are what led me here. Um, that and a couple other things are what made me know that I needed I needed God back in my life, and I needed to to change the way I was pursuing life. And so I, we started looking for different churches, and uh, I really felt God's presence here. And so that was about where we, we came connected. in. That 
perfect moment, that experience up on the, the mountaintop. And I think this is a picture of what you were seeing. Yeah, it was um, probably taken a couple years later from pretty much the same place. But that, that moment has impacted your life tremendously. Tell me how it's impacted what you do professionally, vocationally, uh, as a portrait photographer. Um, I think since that moment, I started looking at uh, the photography that I do for our, my occupation, which is portrait photography. I started looking at that in a different way. I started looking at um, basically loving everyone that comes in. I mean, there, there is something about everyone that I photograph, even you, <laughs> that, uh, that you can fall in love with. And to use the skill that I have to, you know, if someone has uh, a problem, a deficiency, um, to learn the lighting and to use the lighting and posing and, and skills that I've acquired to, to bring out the best uh, in them. So that uh, I've also, of course, come to realize some important things about the people that I photograph that oftentimes um, that might be the last photograph they have taken. And that happens every year. Um, I kind of specialize in high school senior photographs, although I do families and children and weddings. But um, pretty much every year, uh, I lose a student, someone that I photograph. And that just recently has happened. So that, and, uh, you know, I just, you know, I think the, uh, the other thing it does is I, I try to, the way, the way people are treated, the way people are talked to, you know, if, if I can let them, if they have a good experience, if they can see, see God in me, uh, then that, that has changed. That has changed me. The events, uh, that one in particular, has changed the way I, I treat customers there. You, you told me, um, as we've talked about this, that your one desire is that whatever your last photo is that you take of whether it be someone that they they go on to to another another place to eternity that that photo you want to be the best that it can be or if you were to take your last picture that you that's a passion for you uh, I think it speaks to to heart um, and uh, you were sharing that um, sometimes folks will come to you and you know that someone's dying or there's a good chance that they're they're not going to make it through what they're they're battling. How does that change you? Um, it's, I mean, it, it's an honor, uh, but it's also very um, humbling. To have someone knowingly, they know that they're going, they're not going to be here long. Uh, to photograph them, oftentimes it would be a family situation where someone is has cancer or some terminal disease. I, and you know, the thing that I think about whenever I'm photographing those people uh, is, um, I want to get to know them. I want to get, I want to get to know their family. 
I want to show the relationships that they have, the interaction between the people. There's a lot you can tell by just talking to people for a little while. And then in the photography, I want to, I want to feel that connection that they have for each other. Um, and, you know, again, I, I mentioned that we do have people that um, we don't know. It's their last photograph. Um, I'm sure everybody here is aware of uh, Blake um, Hampton. I had photographed him three weeks ago. And uh, his mom said it was a really good experience. They've already came in, and Joy and I will be working on some of their photographs later today. Yeah, I know when we were talking this week that um, that was heavy on your heart. How how has that, that perfect moment affected what you do on the fine arts side or the, when you're taking well, photographs of nature and what have you? Um, so the nature, the fine art side is, is pictures for me. It's, it's not to sell. It's not, um, not to even put out on public display that much. It's just that. Um, and it kind of goes, it goes back to when I was a little kid, I had a uh, crazy Aunt Helen who at the time... She, well, she could be here, you know. Well... <laughs> okay, she couldn't. <laughs> she, she, did, she did accept Christ before she passed, so... Uh, but Aunt Helen, she was, she was a neat aunt, but at the time she wasn't a Christian. So this really struck me because when I was little, she, she just had to tell me about this trip she had taken to the Grand Canyon, and she described it, how grandiose it was, and, and how when she stood at the edge of the rim of the canyon, how it, she looked at the, she looked at the Grand Canyon and she said she couldn't figure out how anyone could look at that and not believe in God. And that just really struck me, coming from someone that, that probably wasn't a Christian at the time. And then she showed me her pictures. And, you know, the, you know they weren't very good. So you know, she wasn't going to be a photographer either. No. Uh. So, unfortunately, that is the way, I mean, even even me, most of my photographs of things that are like the Grand Canyon, you look at it and you go, eh, you know, not that great. So my my fine art photography, how, how it has changed is now I take the images... And I look for composition in what's perfect design, which is, that's God's perfection. And then, uh, through what I do with the camera and, and what I do uh, with the computer, what I want to be able to do is to evoke a, an emotional and visual response from the viewer that is the same as what I felt whenever I, I viewed that scene or viewed that scene in my, my mind's eye. If people can look at my photographs, and um, if they, through those photographs, get a glimpse of God's majesty and glory 
if my photographs can somehow reflect the awesomeness of God's nature, then I, I feel like I've accomplished something. And if I can do that on a few photographs a year, then, then I'm a fortunate fellow. I've got one last question for you. What, what do you think God thinks? Or what do you hope God thinks when he looks at the photographs that you take? That's, you know, I don't know why that strikes me. It has, it strikes me emotionally just to, to hear those words. What does God think? I like to I like to think that some of my work is inspired by God. I I think what what comes to mind is uh, I read that book that you suggested uh, by Rick Warren. Well, actually, I didn't read the book because I'm not a reader. I listened to that book. Um, That's okay. That counts. <laughs> it's pur- purpose driven life. Yeah. And um, in, that, in that book, Rick asked two questions that God will ask all of us when we are, uh, are before him after we've passed. And they are, what did you do to my son Jesus? And what, the second question would be, what did you do with everything else that I gave you. Last week you talked about giving uh, your finances. But it goes beyond that. It goes it goes to what did you do with your time? What did you do with your resources? What did you do with your talents? So to a- answer your question, what I hope that God says when he sees some of my photographs uh, is that that I was able to use that talent to give God glory in some way. I can tell you because I've, I've uh, admired your, your work. Uh, I've been awed by what God, talent God's given you to, to capture that and we're, we're going to watch um, just, these are some of Dan's photographs. I think some of Joy's are in there. But I want you to allow this to be worship. It is a, it is a form of worship and to just allow God to speak to you through, through what, you, what you see. And I hope it in, impacts you the way it has me. Um, uh, be, being someone that uh, has a bent toward toward the arts, uh, I, from a technical point of view, I, I connect. But what's more important here is the, that spiritual connection to, to God. So let, let's just uh, take take and watch this worship. <laughs> 